welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. She stop the rain. Welcome everybody to the Retro Blood, and we are in a brand new month. This is the month of March. Retro Blood is making a special out of this month of March because we are talking all about folk horror in this month. The the full month of of demons and creatures, and we are starting this month off hot because we are doing. One of the most iconic movies when it comes to folk horror, we are of course talking about the demon himself, Pumpkinhead. Here, oh yeah, on the Retro Blood, J.A. Allison, James Klein. What's happening, Allison? I know this is your month. Like this is your month to shine over here because you are the folk horror man himself. So I thought <laughs> I'm gonna just gonna like let you do your thing. I'm gonna let you tell the audience, the great audience that we have out there, what exactly is this month what are we gonna be talking about this month what is this folk horror stuff that we're watching yeah yeah i've been thinking about this for a while because you know like you know in our 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 previous conversations that we had before we started the podcast and decided we should put our conversations out for everybody to uh to listen to as well i was always talking about folk horror movies and folk folk horror movies and how much i love the idea of 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 the I, it's it's even hard to put into words like what it even means but it's like you know like folk horror is like like a folk tale in a in a in a horror format kind of so you know like hp lovecraft is is kind of folk horror it's it's like witches and you know evil not necessarily evil things but like demonic entities or more really powerful entities that that are older than humans that are older than time that have always been here and always will be here and you know they live in the woods and they live in the rocks and in the deserts and things like that and it's just it's almost like it's like a natural part of the universe or whatever um and um folk horror has been around a long time i mean it's it's uh, like the first maybe not the first but the three like most famous early folk horror movies that I can think of are Wicker Man, Witchfinder General, and um, uh, Blood on Satan's Claw from the late 60s. And like, I think Wicker Man was like 71. Um, they also have to do with pagan religions a lot of times, which is why I think they're interesting too. Um, but yeah, so basically what we're talking about this month is like, you know, um, supernatural things that are older than time or have to do with like, you know, 
religions that are older than like Abrahamic religions, like Islam and Christianity and Judaism and um, things like that. Yeah. I think it's very uh, fascinating subject uh, myself because you know it's about basically it's about stories that are like like you were saying like older than time so like yeah. these are like stories that have been passed down from generation to generation to generation and you know it's it's something that can scare kids it's something that can get you on the right path or it could just be something that just pops out of nowhere but there's always somebody in the town that knows about the legend tales and stuff when it comes to the whole nobody movies. ever listens to them yeah nobody, nobody ever listens ever yeah listens. It's like, hey, this is bad. You guys shouldn't do it. Now, fuck them. We're gonna do it anyway. All right. <laughs> so, but I, I really like this month uh, because when me or you were talking last month, you know, a lot lately we've been doing a lot of like serial killers, or we've been doing a lot of like, you know, kind of like real life people being killers. And I was like, you know, let's spice it up a little bit. We need a lot more monsters. You know, what I mean, of course, we got yeah. a, we got a weird monster last last week, but we're not gonna talk about that one anymore. But I want to go into more traditional. <laughs> uh monsters and with with more detailed background more like you know like like what you were saying like more traditional background and stuff so definitely a fun month definitely gonna be very exciting and of course we're starting off with Pumpkinhead, which is oh yeah one of the most biggest cult following film there is you know Pumpkinhead. obviously we're watching the first one there is some sequels but we're not going to talk about those because they don't happen in the 80s but nope. this one has has a really good franchise behind it but Let's get into some of our history segment before we get into this gem of a movie. And oh, yeah. we're going to be talking a little bit about the pro wrestling and the metal music of what was happening around the release date of Pumpkinhead. So the release date uh, that me and Allison had the most stuff on is going to be on January 13th, 1989. But this movie did come out for a limited release, probably in like maybe a limited areas in the in the in the United States on October 14th 1988 all right so the only thing i found on history around the actual original release date of this film was it was a a certain person's birthday uh, around this time and this person is you might know who she is but i'm not really sure her name is cobra page she was actually born on October 14th 1988 and she is the founder lead singer and songwriter for the hard rock and metal band Cobra and the Lotus. Nope. You got me stumped on this one. I don't, she was I, also, is this a current band? I, I this is a current so. band that's out like today? It could like be, yeah. These she was also, well, this okay. was the one that, that I thought it was pretty, I, I never heard of Cobra and the Lotus. Maybe we can check them out or something. So, I mean, this one right here, she was also in a band, which I do know a little bit about. They're kind of like one of those power heavy many bands. She was actually a touring guest vocalist for the band Camelot. Oh, okay. For a while. So, yeah, pretty interesting. So, you know, <clears throat> I kind of just found this one right before we went on the air because we were we were mostly uh, doing our research around the, the date that we would have saw the movie. But I was like, you know, maybe I'll just figure out what was happening around that time. And I came across this person who was born on this date. So, um, everybody, you know, Cobra and the Lotus, maybe we'll play some on the Facebook over there. See what they're all about. Uh, I'm not sure if they suck or not. I couldn't find any of their music right away. But, you know, I do know Camelot. And Camelot's kind of like one of those like power metal bands. So, Yeah, so I I know Camelot from when this guy Roy Kahn was their singer. Mm -hmm. um, if it's the same Camelot I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, I mean, they're a power metal band. It's got to be the same band. Um, he's in this band called Conception now, uh, who's actually playing in Atlanta in the summer. But 
Uh, but yeah, I um, I, I mean, I'm not a, the hugest Camelot fan, even though I love power metal. Yeah, we all know that. But um, but yeah, I mean, Camelot's a great band. Yeah. So, but let's get into some of the history that we that we did a little bit more research on, which is the date that we probably would have saw this film if we were rocking it out in the Trans Am in the 80s. January 13th, 1989. So very rare movie that we have in the 1989s. We don't, we don't, we don't really get around the 1989 era a lot. But it's cool that we actually uh, could talk about some 1989 stuff that was happening. And when I did my research on it too, um, there was a couple albums that were coming out around this time of January 1989. Um, the, a couple, a couple of ones on here. One was really surprising to me, and I'll probably talk about them first. So um, this happened on the, a couple other shows. There was one band that popped up on here, and I'm like, "Oh, they're from the '80s." <laughs> that happens to me every once in a while. And I was surprised that this particular band was in the '80s. I always thought they might have been like maybe early '90s, maybe like late '90s and stuff. But apparently, Mashuga released their album Mashuga. January first, nineteen eighty nine. Wow, I didn't, I did not know they'd been around that long. Yeah, like, me I either. thought maybe you know, I, I could imagine that maybe they were together like as teenagers, like yeah. jamming in like their garage or something. But they were actually releasing albums in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, it says January first, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, it was their Mashuga Mashuga as the EP. Yeah, that's when it came out. This one. Wow. Wow. I would never have guessed that. Me either. And of course, you know, Mashuga, I've never been the biggest fan of them, but I did uh, respect their, their style of music. Um, you know, and they, it's kind of a weird, like they don't have a lot of like traditional chords that they do. They do a little bit more, more like <laughs> right. stop kind of stuff. It's, it's not bad. Yeah. It just never was my thing, but I, I appreciate the actual like effort that they did and like how they, they, their music was always very different than a lot of other bands yeah it's almost like avant-garde almost like it's not really traditional like nothing's traditional about it like it's um you know you would you almost have to be like a musician to like appreciate them almost like just to know what you know how hard what they do is but they're amazing though i mean those their, their guitar players are great and they're that dr- their drummer's amazing yeah, definitely yeah. a band it's to check to think out. think that they've been around that long. I know. Yeah. Check out Meshuggah. It's yeah. loud. It's very, very loud. Yeah, very crazy. I had a lot of friends that really liked Meshuggah. Uh, that's why I like, you know, it's one of those bands. Like, I was like, oh, shit, they're from the 80s. Uh, there's another band. I never heard of them before, but they have a really cool album cover. It's called Cryptic. And this is their album, Cryptic 89. You ever heard of a band called Cryptic? Uh, I don't know. They sound familiar, but I couldn't play. I couldn't tell you anything about it. The album them. has like a face on it. it. Looks like it's drawn by like some like a, pe- a pencil and paper of like this like zombie face. That sounds awesome. Did you listen yeah. to them? I tried to find it, but I couldn't find them. So there might oh. be like a super rare band. But their album came yeah, out January tenth, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, one of those things that's lost the time, maybe. Yeah. So I'm gonna see if I can find some stuff from maybe like the YouTube on there. Let me place yeah, them for you guys. on the YouTube. Um, there's a couple more albums, but there's two I want to talk about. Uh, one is a band that actually is coming by here pretty soon. Um, they're going to be on that big thrash tour that me and uh, Allison were thinking about heading out. The Testament, The Death Angel, and of course, Exodus. 
So Exodus released their album January 30th, 1989, Fabulous Disaster. Oh, yeah. I, I had that album, um, Fabulous Disaster. Um, it's it's a classic for sure. Now, I know you're not the biggest fan of Exodus, but can you tell us a little bit about them? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Exodus, but I do like them. Um, you know, they're a... They're a, a Bay Area thrash metal band that came out of that same scene that Metallica came out of. Um, and actually, Kirk Hammett from Metallica was used to be their lead guitar player. And then he left he, when they fired Dave Mustaine from Metallica. He joined, he, he left Exodus and joined Metallica. And uh, what's that guy's name? Phil Holt that plays guitar for them. Mm-hmm. I think he, um, he, um, um, you know, he he filled in after uh, uh, the guy from uh, Slayer died. He 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 filled in until uh, until Slayer ended their time. And um, um, the current singer of Exodus is the one I'm most familiar with. And I think that Fabulous Disasters had a different singer than they have now. But they're they're definitely an overlooked band. Like they're you know they're not a top four thrash metal band by most people's standards. But they they're very good and they're very, very talented and they have definitely have a huge following. Yeah. Maybe we will see, uh, with our own two eyes, what Exodus is like, cause I never seen them in concert. Have you seen them? Um, yeah, a long time ago, okay. but it's been a while and I'm not sure what lineup they had at the time I saw them either. I gotcha. Because the, the tour is the coming. The lineup they have now is a really good one. Yeah. Because the tour is happening now. It's like, man, it's just like, we have to go to that one because, I mean, we talk about these bands all the time on the show. I mean, we got like Te- Testament, Exodus, and Death Angel. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely a Trans Am yeah. worthy show right there. Yeah, we almost have to do that, and it's and it's right around my birthday, so that would yeah. be a good birthday show for me to go to. Oh yeah, we'll probably um, talk about that one on the show podcast. But I'm I do sure have I do have one more song until we get into the wrestling dep- report. Okay, Very good. so th- this one was pretty pretty wild. So January 10th, 1989, we actually have, speaking of Metallica, we actually have a single from them that released on January 10th, 1989. And that is the single track off the Injustice for All album. It's the the track One. Wow, really? That's late. That's way later than I thought that would have come out. Yeah, that's what I got on. Did Justice for All came out like in in spring of '88? Maybe, but I got here it says January 10th, 1989, single format for one. Well, I mean that makes sense because that's you know they they would have come out and like around this time is when they got huge. Yeah, you know they were no longer a cult band; they were like a mainstream band at this point. And um, yeah, I remember like they played uh uh one on the one of the award shows at the Grammys or something. I think it was the Grammys. And I remember taping it on the VCR because I couldn't stay up late enough to watch it because I had to go to school. And um, the, ne- the, the next morning before school, I remember putting in the VCR and forwarding it as fast as I could all the way to where Metallica played. And then uh, watched them play one on the Grammys, which was like amazing. It was like a validation in a way like you know i like this underground band that you know me and my friends got beat up for listening to was now like a mainstream band 
was like the first time that ever happened to me. And then I remember going to school, riding a bus to school and talking to everybody about it. I thought it was, that was, that was a really, really cool day. Yeah. I'm trying to look up when the, the album came out. I mean, it says released September 7, 1988, but I guess, um, it says singles from Adjusted for all harvest of sorrow came out August 28th. We talked about that one. Eyes of the Beholder yeah, I mean, came out October 30th, and then one came out January 10th. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, because I remember this. I remember it being cold when, when they played on the Grammys, and the, the single was already out. I do know that. So that makes sense, and the Grammys is in, like, a February or something. Yeah. So that would make that would make sense. Um, yeah, the around that January, um, actually, I have a Metallica story about that, because that January... Um, what day? I can't remember what day it was because I looked this up to see what it would be, what would happen in it. But um, basically, um, Metallica had were they were still on the Injustice for All tour, obviously, and they were coming to Charlotte. And so this was more of my saga of 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 trying to be able to go to a rock concert, and I was still fighting the parental units, and they came to Charlotte. Um, around that time i believe and i was not able to go i failed again yeah. seeing a rock band <clears throat> that's all right it happens to all of us i'm pretty sure all of us have a failed um rock story that we never got to see i think mine was when i was in high school i never been to like a like a metal show before i think i was probably like 14 or 15 around this time and um i had a friend who was like hey let's go see the haunted and I was like, I don't even know where the fuck the haunted was. But I was like, okay, I, I was getting into metal during that, you know, during that period of time. And I was like, he's like, hey, let's go see the haunted everything. And I was like, okay, let me, let me, you know, I gotta ask the parents if I can go. And they're like, no, you can't go to downtown Dallas and go see this crazy metal band. I was like, so bummed. I was like, shit. And then later on, like, you know, I actually got to see the haunted, <laughs> and I got their autographs and everything. But and I was, they're they're another band that I liked for a little bit, but I kind of got out of them a little bit. Yeah, but that's my one. Did you story. tell him that story? The haunted. Yeah, did you tell him that story about your your mom not letting you go to see him? Uh, I probably should have, but I don't. Later. <laughs> yeah, I probably just forgot when I got their autographs because I don't remember talking to them. I don't even remember getting right. their autographs. Like I'm pretty sure I saw them at one of those festivals. It was either like Ozfest or something, and I probably just in line. I got their autographs. And I left. You know, probably, it's like one of those right. things where they keep you like cattle. You know what I mean? You can't even talk to the motherfuckers. You're just like, okay, here's my autograph. Leave. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I did get the um, as fast as possible. The only band that I got to tell that I really liked them and they were appreciative of it was there was two bands. It was All That Remains. I got to talk to them very early on, like very early on in their career. I told them I really liked them and their music. I got to talk to them for a while. And of course the sixty nine eyes, where I got to hang out with them at a strip club, brother. <laughs> nice. So nice. I got. I got. That'll be a good story. Yeah. And maybe. Maybe. Maybe I'll do that for this uh, round. Of, you know, I always like to do something special for the month. Maybe. Maybe every episode this month, I'll tell everybody about one rock story that I have. Maybe you can say some rock stories that you have too. Maybe about beating bands, if you have any. I think that'd be kind of oh, fun. I have, I have. I have a few. Yeah. Quite a few. So we'll do that a little special for the month. But Allison. Okay. What is happening around this time period for Pro Wrestling Brother? This has to be a hot time period. We're about to be in the 90s. You know, we're about to, we're, we're, we're almost out of Jim Crockett era. We have some WF is hitting hard. All right. It's about, to, it's about to transfer into the new generation. What is happening in 1989, brother? So this must have been a hot time in the pro wrestling. 
So kind of. Um, what I have to talk about is big was big to me, mm-hmm. but um, one of the things I have to say is big to me. But it, I mean, nothing um, of substance really happened. WWF. I'm talking about WWF this time, which is amazing because I'm usually talk not talking about them, but. Um, WWF had a good run of shows during this during this week, which we would have attended at least one of these. I'm going to talk about um, Crockett Crockett Promotions was at this point changing over to WCW, and Dusty had been removed as Booker like the fall before, so he wasn't he was working for them, but he wasn't doing anything, and he resigned on January the eighth, which is like right before this movie came out. But so they weren't really doing a whole lot, but WWF on January the 8th, which is the same day, um, came to Charlotte for the first time ever. Oh, okay. Wow. First time ever. So they came for for the first time ever that I can find. It's like they, it says it's the first show held at the venue at the Charlotte Coliseum, which is where we saw AEW at. Um, But I don't know where they would have run a show if they didn't play there. So, because there was no that you know the football stadium wasn't there, there was no other venue there. So I don't know where they would have run a show if they didn't play there. Um, but that was main evented by Hulk Hogan, who defeated the Big Boss Man by countout. Wow! <laughs> and your good old and your boy Hercules was on the show. He did, yes. he was he was beaten by Ted DiBiase. Oh, okay. Um, Andre was there. He beat Jake Roberts. Yep. See, see, this is a hot period of time, man. I got all the big stars here. Yeah, this would have actually been a great show. The Brain Busters, Arn and Tully beat the Rockers. Oh, that must have been a great match. They actually had a very, I very bet great that was match. Crazy. Yeah, that yeah. probably that that would probably be the match to like. So you know, during this particular time in WWF action, you had a lot of big guys, you had a lot of strong guys doing a lot of big strong guy stuff. Was basically that that means for people out there that doesn't really watch wrestling, the big guys when they're in there. They don't really bump a lot. They do a lot of power moves and they do a lot of like pushing. They do a lot of control and stuff. They don't really like flip and flop around. You know what I mean? Like you don't really see too much of that nowadays. You see a little bit of it, but you don't see a lot of like the big man style nowadays with like the hard hits, very slow paced action, a lot of posing, you know. But when we have teams like the Brain Busters was Oli and Tarn and then the Rockers, that would be like if you saw FTR right now uh, facing top flight. You know what I mean? Like, you have right. really good base guys who can catch and do all these flippy stuff that could be a really good base for, like, the very athletic high flyers like the Rockers were. So that's why right. it would be a very exciting match to everybody. So. Yeah, I wonder if they set that up for a pay-per-view match. Because, you know, like, they were going to run – they were running into the Royal Rumble, which would have happened later on that month, but th- that match wasn't on there. But I wonder if there's a pay per view with that with that uh, Brain Busters versus Rockers match because I would like to look that up on the network if it's if it's there because that would be that'd be great to see. Oh yeah, that would be yeah. I'll see if I can find some of those and put it on the good old Facebook for everybody to enjoy because they definitely had some good matches. Oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, later on that week, the uh, as, as we get closer to the release of this this uh, movie, um, WWF just kind of basically went through Charlotte and then up the East Coast. Uh, they did a show in Philadelphia on the 14th, and they played in uh, Boston on the 13th. And they, most of these had the same had the same matches. Like you know, these were all A shows, I guess. So you know, the the Boston show, the main event was uh, Big Boss Man, but he defeated Hogan via DQ in this on that night. So, okay, you know, nice. they were having the same match, but they had a different ending every time. 
Yeah. Hulk Hogan losing by DQ. Probably raked the back. His moves were raking the back and plucking the eyes. Right. Exactly. Maybe hit him with the nightstick to get to get disqualified. I don't know. Sounds like a good time. And, I mean, we, we we have to talk about it, though. Like, the big event was obviously the first ever Royal Rumble. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I was going to ask you, is that the first, that's the first Royal Rumble, the 89 one? Yeah. It says, that, yeah, it says the 89, the 1989 Royal Rumble was the first annual Royal Rumble at this one. So, this is, like, the first ever one that actually paid, you know, played it on pay-per-view. And now it's become one of the biggest um, wrestling pay-per-views that there is you know nowadays we have the royal rumble that sets up to wrestlemania it's kind of like the it's kind of like the first thing of the year that kind of sets up to set the tone for wrestlemania because whoever wins the royal rumble match becomes a number one contender to the to whatever title that they uh, want to choose for but that concept didn't happen um until like late 90s but the first royal rumble 1989 was just like a special battle royal and it was designed by Pat Patterson to be just a very exciting, you know, like he he was just thinking, okay, we want to do something special because we wanted to start doing some more pay-per-views and they were coming up with some ideas. And then the, the idea was for Pat Patterson was like, hey, you know, why don't we do a battle royal, but we won't make it like a traditional battle royal. We'll do it where like we have people coming in at different time periods because you never know, the audience never know who's going to come next. They never know who's going to be the next person to come in. And then eventually, when everybody gets in the ring, it'd be like a battle royal, so they don't know who's going to get top, um, like tossed over. So he's like, "Okay, let's right. try it," because they needed an idea for this for this pay per view they just had in January, and that's why they picked out the Royal Rumble. And it just so happened to be very exciting and then very um, innovative at the time. And to myself, it's become my favorite WWF pay per view that they produce. I agree. I, I think it's. I mean, I think I look forward to watching the Royal Rumble more than I look forward to watching WrestleMania. Yes, because it just has that excitement factor. We usually have, like, you know, nowadays, well, not this last one, but nowadays we have, like, surprises. You know, there's people coming in every 30 minutes. You know, it's very exciting. You know, it builds a lot of drama. I mean, we've had some great Royal Rumble matches. You know, there's a ton of them. Like, I thought the one from 2008 was really good. Um, Obviously, the 2002 Royal Rumble one was really good. So there's there's a bunch of different ones out there you know this particular one was like the first one so it was won by um jim duggan he is the first ever royal rumble winner and you don't think of a, a like a talent like jim duggan oh he's winning the royal rumble or going to wrestlemania no it wasn't like that he's just like oh he's just the winner of this of this royal this like battle royal match so but yeah definitely pretty um, pretty historic uh pay-per-view yeah yeah um but yeah, so but now they would have more matches. So this on this show, they didn't seem to have a lot of matches. They just basically had a few matches in the Royal Rumble match. Yeah, but yeah, much. the Royal Rumble has had, as opposed to a regular battle royale, which is the you know, which if the people don't know, starts with everybody in the ring at the same time, and then they just all fight until somebody get until everybody's thrown over the top rope as of one person. But yeah, it's kind of cool to watch them. T- it, it, like there's an anticipation so it starts off with two people and then like two minutes later it's kind of cool to like who's coming next and then you get to do that 30 times in a row it's pretty it's pretty good it's pretty pretty uh exciting yeah and it had pretty much everybody in there i mean we had like oh, sure axe and smash starting it all off and everything you got andre the giant coming in mr perfect was in there Juan garvin came in 
Greg Valentine, Jake Roberts. I mean, yeah, everybody. The Rockers, Shawn Michaels, uh, Butch Miller, the Honky Tonk Man, Strike Force. Your boys, Strike Force, were in there. Bad News Brown, Marty Jannetty, <clears throat> Randy Savage was in there, and he was the uh, he was the heavyweight champion at the time as well too. So, like I said, it was just a normal battle royal. Hulk Hogan was in there too. So it's pretty crazy how like the the first person who ever won it was um was Hacksaw Jim yeah and having all those big names in there so very very interesting what so what was the uh, what did you win like so now you know like you talked about we went you win a chance at the uh, whatever title you want at WrestleMania but what was the what was the prize then so the prize then was um just winning the Battle Royal at this time I mean there wasn't really like too much of a a prize. That's, that seems like a terrible prize. Yeah. Like, like you don't you didn't even win any money or anything. Like any, not even any like you know, kayfabe money. Yeah. Actually, hold on. We gotta, we gotta back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So here on the retro bed, we like to uh, correct ourselves. So, <laughs> I need and I totally this. forgot about this. I totally forgot about this until right now. So Jim Duggan, he run, he won the 1987 Royal Rumble, which was the television version of it. That was the okay. test pilot of it, and then from that version, that's when they realized, oh, this is a good idea. So we're gonna bring it back here in in 1988, and then that's when we're gonna have Big John Studd win. So he was the Nin- first pay per view. Yeah, yeah, 1989. Yes. So. Yeah, I was wondering. I was I was just kind of. I was just kind of going along with your your work there, but um, but yeah, like that's what the information I had. Maybe my information was wrong, but I have information uh, saying that Big John Studd won the first row. Yeah, yeah. I just that was my bad. Hey, my bad over here on a retro blend. I forgot they had like yeah. a test pilot, kind of like how they did. Um, remember when they did that test pilot for SmackDown? Yeah. Remember it was like it was like a, like a, a raw taping, and it happened like 1988. And then next thing you know, SmackDown became, I think it was in 1999 where it aired. So every once in a while, they'll do like these test pilots. And I just totally forgot that the the test pilot was like a live, it was a live on television because they needed something for that television event. And that's when it came with the Royal Rumble. And then it had a very, it was very popular. So that's why they brought it back to make it part of like a pay-per-view. Yeah. Did I ever tell you I was in the, I was in the test pilot for the, uh, the Thunderdome or whatever the WWE called that during the pandemic? Oh, you were on one of those guys? I didn't know that. Yeah, so you know how they had the the screen set up, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was never actually able to get on an actual show, but I was picked because I'm on the WWE uh, pay-per-view council or whatever they call it um, to uh, to to be uh, part of the test pilot for that. So um, I, I just set up my headset and and my mic and everything and then watched the show in an empty arena – on my phone and the match was uh um that what's that guy's name i think he's on nxt now he's the guy that hurt johnny gargano like the week before this happened oh um grayson waller yeah so it's grayson waller and um one of the uh saudi guys that they had signed oh so and that the new was guy the, that yeah it wasn't like, man so I, I might have been Mansoor. I don't know. Um, but it was, uh, it was, uh, yeah. So that was the amazing match I got to see when I when I when I watched the uh, the uh, Thunderdome test pilot. 
<clears throat> Sounds fantastic. Okay, it's not a very exciting story, but <laughs> <laughs> the good old Thunderdome, man. Hey, can't beat that. But yeah, I mean that's pretty good. So Stud and DiBiase, they were they they were the remaining final two, and of course, um, Stud slammed him out of there. So Big yeah. John Stud is the first ever Royal Rumble winner when it was on pay per view. There we go. So yeah. very so very that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, that's interesting because I thought for a minute that the great James Klein had been stumped on a wrestling trivia question, but it turned out he knew so much about wrestling that he brought up the pilot yeah. of the match that I didn't even know existed. Now, so even 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 in your wrongness, you were yeah. still more right than anybody else. Exactly. And how do you like it? That I knew about the pilot to SmackDown. Not a lot of people know that one too. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a that's a rarity. Very rare. SmackDown pilot. I know, I know, I know things in life, and pro wrestling is one of them. That, so, that's for sure. The other thing I know is horror movies, which we're gonna get yep. into this one right now. Pumpkinhead. So hell yeah. A little bit before we get into Pumpkinhead, I like to do a little bit of a background on the movie. So this movie was originally called Vengeance the Demon. Sounds like a fucking Predator movie or something. <laughs> As I say, Pumpkinhead's a much better, uh, yeah. much better uh, name for this. Oh yeah. And this movie is also, it was inspired by a creepy poem written by a poet called Ed Justin. Do you know anything about an Ed Justin? The only thing I know about him is he wrote the poem that Pumpkinhead is based on. Um, did you, uh, did you read the poem? No, I never read the poem. Okay. So, um, it's, uh, is it long? You know, it basically, and it's, it's not real long. It's, it's, you know, it's probably 15 lines or something. It's, uh, it's basically just, um, telling, like talking about pumpkin head. Like it wasn't used in the movie and I don't know why it should have been. Um, but basically it just tells like the folk tale of pumpkin head in a, in a poem form. Well, let's see what we got here. All right. I mean, it <clears> might <throat> actually, according to this, it is in the movie, but um, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily remember this. Well, let's see. I'll say it. And I'll tell you if it is or not. So it says, this is the poem, the original version. All right. This is a, a poem from Ed Justin. So it says, keep away from Pumpkinhead unless you're tired of living. His enemies are most, mostly dead. He's mean and unforgiving. Laugh at him and you're undone. But in some dreadful fashion, vengeance he considers fun and plans it with passion. Time will not erase a, or blot a plot that he has brewing. It's when you think that he's forgot he'll conjure your undoing. Bottled doors and windows bared Bard, guard dogs prowling in the yard. Won't protect you in your bed. Nothing will from Pumpkinhead. And I'm pretty sure this is what the kids were saying. You know, those poor kids at the oh, freaking store. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what they were bullying. You know, the Billy and all them oh, with yeah. that with so this they, Yeah, they were probably. That's the pro. This is probably the song they were singing. Yeah, they were bullying uh, the the little kid. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But, you know, obviously this film, like we talked about too, also has two sequels. Most of them were direct from TV to home, you know, from video. Yeah. And it also, which I didn't realize until I read this, which I kind of want to play it now. This this game, this film also has a video game called Blood Wings Pumpkinhead Revenge. 
That has to be interesting. <laughs> I wonder what that was released on. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Let's see. It's probably a computer game if it came out around this time, I would imagine. Uh, I have not played the video game or seen any of the sequels, just so you know. It's a first-person shooter computer game developed by American Studios BAP. Yep, (laughs) And it was published in 1995, brother. Oh, boy. That is not what I... That's not what I thought it would be. I did not think it would be a first-person shooter. So it says the game has been criticized as being a Doom ripoff. So I guess you just walk around and kill a bunch of pumpkin heads. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably just like Doom with like pumpkin heads in it instead of whatever you kill in Doom, I guess. Yeah. That's a fun one. I did not play that. I would love to play that game. I love (laughs) ripoffs. I'll see if I can find you a copy. All right, everybody. Well, let's get into the review of Pumpkinhead. Here we go. Afraid raising the dead ain't within my power. Will it be all right? Should I be afraid? It's coming! Looking for an old woman. She lives somewhere in the mountains hereabouts. All she can do is take you straight to hell. You go home and you bury your boy. Some folks say is how she's got powers. Who are you? Ed Harley. What do you want, Ed Harley? Say You're looking for vengeance. Vengeance. Say no graveyard way back deep in them woods. The thing you're looking for is in there. It was an accident. So we start off the film with the course credits. You know, I feel like this is kind of like a lost art. I think we talked about this sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I know some movies start out still with credits, you know, but I feel like a lot of movies, they mostly just save all their credits and stuff for the end. Or maybe like yeah. when they do credits, it's like, it's just not, it's like they do action while the credits is growing. You know what I mean? So we don't, like this one was cool because it had like some, like a fire and it just had all the credits in it and stuff. So... But it's 1957, everybody, and we are at a very creepy farm, all right? We see this kid named Eddie, um, and he's doing some prayers. We have this old guy, all right? He's, we have a shotgun, all right? And this old guy, his name is Tom, all right? So Tom's a dad. Then we have uh, the wife. The wife is kind of like, you know, kind of like helping Eddie out, making him feel comfortable, Eddie asks, like, hey, what's wrong with dad tonight? And she's like, oh, nothing. Just don't worry about it. So then we see the dad. He looks like he's preparing for something. And it's outside. It's very windy. Looks like it's about to rain and stuff. So dad, you know, he gets something from his truck. And he puts the horse in the barn. And then he comes back inside and locks the doors. And he has a shotgun with him. Um, 
And then like Eddie's like, hey, you know, should we be afraid of anything tonight? Like, what's going on? And then during this during this part, we see some guy running in the forest. He's all fucked up. He's like running and stuff. So one thing about this movie, you know, people who's watched it who hasn't watched it, the scenery in this movie is excellent. Yeah. Like, I mean, like it just filmed excellent. The scenery is excellent. Like everybody's, you know, how everybody looks is excellent. Like, I think it has a very high production values for this particular time. Yeah. I mean, it was directed by Stan Winston, who was known as being a famous makeup artist. Um, And I think this is probably the first movie he ever directed. So it's pretty amazing that he did such a good job on his first try. Yeah. 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 it, It was his first movie that he did. So this guy, he's walking around. Umbre was running around. And he sees a scarecrow, kind of scares him and stuff. And then he eventually gets up to the door. And he's all like, hey, Tom, this is Clayton. All right, so it's Clayton. He's like banging on the door. Yeah. I don't know where I got Tom. It's not going to matter in a minute. (laughs) Yeah, 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 not exactly. So it's Clayton. He's banging on the door. And then Tom's like, hey, you know, I can't help you out over here. You know? And then Clayton's like, what kind of Christian are you? All right? He's like, this thing's going to get me. And then Eddie's like, why can't we let him in? And then, you know, Tom's like, hey, we can't help this man, you know? And then, then he says something. Like, Clayton's like, hey, man, like, I didn't kill that girl. It wasn't me. All right? And then uh, Clayton says, like, or the um, Tom says, like, hey, I don't know anything about that, but you need to get away or else I'm going to shoot you. And then, uh, then eventually um, Clayton... Like, goes away because he doesn't want to get shot. And then eventually he gets caught by the demon pumpkin head. And they, he raises them up on his shoulder. This is when we see Eddie. Sees him peek through his window. And he sees the pumpkin head taking care of Clayton. And now we are at the present day. Alright. Eddie is all grown up now. And he is played by Lance Hickerson. Henriksen. Henry. The great Lance Henriksen. Yes, Henriksen. Did I say it wrong? It's Henriksen. Henriksen. <laughs> yeah. I always fuck up everybody's name. That's like my gimmick. You know what I mean? Like I gotta fuck <laughs> up all these your, people's names. your gimmick. <laughs> so he, he, he was also in... Um, he's been in a couple stuff, huh? Oh, he's been in a bunch of movies, man. Henry, Lance Henriksen is one of my favorite favorite actors, actually. Oh, shit. Yeah, he he, was, that's right. Uh, he was Bishop in Aliens. Yeah, but yeah, he was Bishop in Aliens. He was in um uh, this movie called Man's Best Friend, I believe is what it was called. It's about this like like uh, like killer dog. Um he was in um uh, he was in a bunch of movies. Yeah. Um yeah. He's, Chick, like, he's like a the Terminator. I mean, he he's yeah, he was like one of those actors who is really respected amongst actors, yeah. like in real Hollywood, and then he but he can also go back and do like all of these like um like genre movies like all these like cheap horror movies and i met him at a convention like i don't know probably 20 years ago now and i was talking to him about all of these like you know b movies that he made like the pit and the pendulum and jennifer aid and and um he was just astounded that my favorite movies that he'd made were all these like shitty movies yeah. that, <laughs> that nobody else like those are like, always the uh, best like talk to him about yeah um but uh, yeah, Mind Ripper. I mean, he's I mean he's made some great great genre movies. Um, yeah, he was. I mean, he's a he's a incredible actor. One yeah. one of the best. One of the best of all time, in my opinion. Oh yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. So he's in this right now. He's uh, working on a fire. 
And then, um, then we see his son. Same as name is Billy. Billy is playing with a dog. The dog's name is Gypsy. So this is where we're seeing a lot of uh, father and son, how they, they get along. Um, so um, Eddie goes up to Billy, like, hey, what were you doing? I was just playing with the dog. And he's like, okay, well, let me wash you up. And then he tells the story about washing hands with his grandma. And uh, they go back inside. Billy wants, um, it was the one funny line was like, and you won't hear this nowadays. Like, Eddie was like, hey, hey, Billy. Hey, first one to inside the house gets the pleasure of washing dishes. I was like, fuck, you could tell this is an 80s kid because I'm the 90s kids, but like, fuck that. I ain't gonna wash no dishes. I'm gonna play my fucking pumpkin head 1995 shooter game, brother. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not a lot. I was like, fuck it. I was a kid. I ain't gonna wash these dishes. Fuck you. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like dishes is entertainment for these people. Yeah. Like I think a lot of the, a lot of stuff in this movie is I mean this is, I mean it's great. I'm not shitting on it all, but there's a lot of stuff in here that's just um just kind of like I don't know, bizarre like the way things look in it and things people say. Yeah. But yeah, we'll get to those things, I'm sure. So this is when we get them they're eating a little bit and then Billy wants to have story time. He wants to have a story from his dad, but he's like, "Hey dad, before you do the story, I got this present for you." So Billy made him a necklace. Like a lot of things. Yes. Is that what it was supposed to be? A what? What was it supposed to be? No, I, I don't know what it was. I, I was going to ask you. I think it's like a little person or maybe it's a hand. I don't know what it was, I but it looked creepy. I'll tell you It's like this little, it looks like it has tentacles on it. It or looked something. like a stick really figure. Like a fucking like a stick figure. Yeah. yeah. Like, but he made it himself. He made it himself. And, and uh, the dad was like, I'm never going to take it off. I'm always going to wear it. So right. we see that this this father and son duo, they're very, very tight. They're very close. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, uh, Eddie tells him a story about like an older man who has a very special son. All right? mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then Billy asks, like, oh, do you like your necklace? He says he loves it. All right. Uh, okay, this is when we see the young city couples. We have... And, and you guys could believe I know all their names now. Check this one out. So we have in the Corvette, a nice silver Corvette. I would say myself, so, say so myself. Fucking badass looking car. We have our boy Joey and we have Kim. In the van, the GMC red van with the dirt bikes behind it, we have Steve, Maggie, Tracy, and Chris. All right. Tracy's all like, hey. This fucking Joey guy, he's fucking... I don't know about this guy. Steve's like, ah, oh, don't worry about him. You know, once you get to know him, he's okay. And then, of course, Joey's in the Corvette. He's kind of like the uh, the arrogant, like, 1980, uh, you know, dude who likes to be like the Fonz. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. he has, like, a rifle in it. So, he had, like, a gun in his, like, the, his like, Corvette the whole time. But I don't think the gun ever came to play. So, I thought that was going to be, like, an Easter egg, but it really wasn't. He said he had, like, a rifle back in his Corvette. Maybe it's just fucking lying. Maybe, but th- yeah, because they never used it. Yeah. So this is also too when we get um, Eddie and Billy. They're at a grocery store, okay, and it's called the the uh, Harley's Groceries. So it's uh, Eddie's grocery store because it's Eddie Harley, is his name, and I guess he owns a grocery store. He lo- he owns the the local grocery store around town, okay. So oh. we see him drive. Go ahead. I was gonna say, a grocery store is the uh, 
is a very loose term for what this is. Like, this is one of the things that I thought was really weird. Like this, I don't know how this building is even staying together. <laughs> like it's basically like, the, like a, it looks like a dilapidated shack. Like Matt Hardy's dilapidated boat. Yes. It's like, <laughs> it's yeah, a like couple a apples in there and shack. shit. Yeah. <laughs> and they fucking like, doesn't I, even I, sell, it doesn't even sell booze. I'm like, what the fuck, no, man? Half this town would fucking look like they're drunk. I, th- I thought it was abandoned. Like when they pulled up, I'm like, oh, they're gonna set, you know, they're gonna set up like a free stand in front of this abandoned building. I'm like, no, that's his <laughs> no, store. That's his store, man. All right, <laughs> come on, bro. He got traumatized as a kid. He never moved out of wherever the hell they're from. All right, come on, give, give my boy some credit. So when Steve is driving, they see an, they see an old hitchhiker dude. I don't know if he's in hitchhiking, just some redneck around town. And then like Tracy's like, hey, slow down. I want to take pictures of this guy. And Steve's like, no way. You know, there's stories out there of, of, of people who kill people and put their foot in stew. Okay. We got you. Gotcha. Okay. So this is when we get, we're back at the store now. And... Gypsy is playing, uh, you know, with Billy. Okay, so this is when we get the kid, all the the city folk. They have arrived at the the Harvey's fruit stand or whatever it is. It's like groceries on that motherfucker. So he had some groceries. It is. It's like it's like it's like a supposed to be like a country grocery. I wonder if he got some TP up in there. All right. Yeah. I wonder where do you think this movie takes place? Ooh, has to be a farm because. It's kind of implied that it takes place like, I mean, not specifically, (laughs) but it's it's implied that it takes place in the South. Yeah. By the way that the people talk with their fake Southern accents. But it's obviously shot in California because California, Southern California has a very specific look. It looks just like that. Um, If I were to guess, it'd be Clyde. Clyde, I'm sure it takes place in Clyde. I'm just saying places around here that I know that look super like hillbilly. I mean, bro, if you go to Clyde, like I've been there a couple of times. We're talking about Clyde, North Carolina, everybody. Okay. This shit, I mean, the people look exactly like how these people look, especially the poor crew that rocks up here pretty soon. All right. Yeah. So uh, this is when we get the, we're getting the city folk, everything. Uh, Joel, he's kind of like an asshole. He's like, fuck this. I'm going to go dirt biking. They say, hey, it's not a good idea. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Uh, Joe also makes fun of Billy's glasses, saying they look like like little like little bottles, and of course everybody gets offended because well, the, the kid looks well, they sad. Do. Like they did. Well, they okay. kind of do. But I mean, this is an oh, adorable little kid. Yeah, like, yeah. he's an adorable little toe-headed kid yes. who has Coke bottle glasses. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's but he's adorable. He's like an adorable little kid. Yes. He's like you know six years old or something, I guess. And then while all this is happening, we have another old truck uh, come up with a bunch of kids behind it. And then they all these kids walk out. And I didn't really know what to name this group. So I was like, okay, the poor crew arrives. All right. These but, are the dirtiest people I've ever seen. I know. They're just like, stay dirty. Like, yeah, they're, they're like the way that they like take showers. Faces. The way they take showers just in mud. You know what I mean? <laughs> Make sure you got your mud on today, bud. All right. Yeah, I mean it's like I mean it's like they try to make it look as terrible as possible. I think. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I guess. And of course we have the um, the dad, who his name was uh, Wallace. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Hey youngsters, you stay put there." Or he goes inside, and then one of them asks, "Like, hey, what's that in your hand?" And then Steve was like, "That's a camera, stupid." <laughs> so and then like we have another another kid inside. Um, 
He is Noxy. Um, yeah, we have Chris in there asking for beer, but there's like, it's like I don't, I don't sell any beer over here. Uh, then we have the kids. They start playing with the ball, and then they take the ball for a moment. This is when Bud he starts singing that song about the pumpkin head that we that right. I did earlier. Jimmy Joe, you done bad. Y'all know what settles on badness, hey. don't you? Pumpkin head. Pumpkinhead. Y'all stop. There ain't no pumpkin head. What about old Mr. Foley? He moved away. Uh-uh. Pumpkinhead got it. Teared off his head and drank all the blood. Did not. Did too. Shut up, Hessie. Keep away from Pumpkinhead pumpkin unless you're tired pumpkin of living. Pumpkinhead. His enemies are mostly, mostly dead. He's mean and unforgiving. Stop it! Um, and then you know it's gonna be drinking your blood, all that stuff. They keep and then they keep saying pumpkin head's gonna get you, and then eventually Tracy she freaks out about this pumpkin head song. And then we had the dad come back, and then the poor crew leaves. And then before they leave, uh, Bud, the main older kid from the poor crew, he like scares Tracy a little bit. And then also too, we also noticed that Eddie, he's forgotten to get something for Mr. Wallace. He said he's going to be by his place before dark. All right. And then he told Billy to come inside. Okay, so this is also too where we get um, Steve. He is like, you know, we have Tracy. She's she's taking pictures of um, Joey on his bike. And then Steve was going to go on his bike. And then, like, Tracy's like, hey, you know, like, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, you know, we should just get back onto the cabin. He's like, no, no, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to, you know, go out here and take a ride. So we have um, Steve. He's on bike 44. And Joe's on bike 88. And they are actually, like, brothers. Even though they kind of yeah. really didn't look alike at all. <laughs> but they were brothers, apparently. Well, you know, they, they can get who they can get for these kind of movies. Yes. They spent all the money on Lance Hendrickson. Yeah, exactly. So we got their... And the pumpkin got... had a special effects. Yeah, that's definitely where the money came. Hell yeah. So this is also, too, when we get we get more Tracy taking pictures. Um, and then Gypsy, he escapes from the uh, the grocery store. He did that twice. Because the first time he escaped, that's when Billy was meeting up with other city kids. Second time he escaped, Billy chases him. So every time this dog gets away, Billy chases him. So the dog runs and stuff, and then Billy runs after the dog. And it's just really weird because, like, like we have Chris, Maggie, and Tracy, um, like, right beside each other. And they, they, see the, they see the kid run, they're like, hey, little kid, no. And then Maggie's like, it's very faintish. And they're like, Maggie, and then like the kid just goes off and they, they, they barely even chase him. They just let him go. So, for some reason, Maggie was foreshadowing everything, I guess. So, and this yeah, kind of. So, this is also too when the Billy, he finds a dog, but it's kind of like on like a little bit of an overpath. And then the bikes are going through. So, we have the bike 44 kind of misses him, but the bike 88 lands on him. And this is when we see Billy got like freaking struck by this bike. And then people start freaking out. Steve's like, oh, shit, it was just an accident. It was just an accident. Joe's like, 
it's like fuck he's like he's like getting he's like hey you know what's going on is he okay is he moving he's like no so he like vanishes out of there he like tries to get out of there quick um and steve starts to follow him he's like hey man what's going on like we gotta help this kid out we gotta like tell the authorities and stuff he's like no we can't do it you can't tell anybody like listen man you might have been fine everything but me i've been drinking a little bit they're gonna freaking fry me and then he's like i gotta get out of here it's like no man well, you know he's like what the hell's going on then he freaking kim's like we gotta stay and he pushes his girlfriend tells him we gotta get out of here we gotta get out of here so they drive off in the corvette then we got steve and the rest of the crew trying to help out the kid, put a blanket on him and stuff. They don't know where where um, Eddie's dad went. I mean, they didn't know where Billy died went because Billy, like, Eddie had to go off to get something. They bring it back for Mr. Wallace. So they're just like trying to take care of this kid. And um, eventually, um, Steve said, hey, I'll stay with this kid. Um, you three go out to the cabin and try to contact the authorities. And when this guy gets back, I'll tell him, you know, it was all an accident and stuff. So, pretty crazy scene right here. Yep. The city folk killed the country kid. Yep, yep. So, not, not, definitely not good. Not, not a good start in a folk horror movie, for sure. Yeah, and this is also too when Maggie, she is like pretty much fainted at this time as well. So, now Eddie has come back to this story. He asked for Billy, doesn't see Billy at all. And then he eventually sees where Billy is, and we get a really sad scene of him taking off the bed and then kind of like trying to, you know, comfort his son and stuff. And then Steve was like, hey, man, it was an accident. He's like, is there anything I can do to help? And then Ed looks at him and gives him a death stare. And then he walks away with him. All right, so this is when we get um, Maggie, Chris, and Tracy. They have arrived at the cabin, and they tell Tracy to walk throughout the path to go make the phone call. So they get to the the cabin where they're all supposed to be staying, and then they see um, uh, they see Joel there, and Joel's like, she's like, hey, you didn't call for the police to help this kid, and he's like, no, I didn't call for help, and then like she was about to call, but then he snapped the phone cord, and then Joel's like, hey, I'm gonna need your keys and stuff, and then Joel's um, and Tracy's like, you know what the hell's going on here? And then this is when Tracy and Chris, they come in to help. Um, Joel pushes the girls. Because like, basically, Joel, he doesn't want to get caught by the police. Because Kim said, like, hey, guys, like Joel already has on parole by hitting a person already. So if yeah, they... He's on probation. Yeah, he's on probation. So, yeah, so like if he finds out about this, he's definitely going to get locked up. And he does not want to get locked up. And this Joel guy is like, he did a really good job of playing an asshole. Because this guy was a pretty good asshole. Absolutely. And then eventually, after he kind of pushes the girls over, Chris like whacks his ass pretty good. He's about to take the kids, but then Joel knocks him out. And then he stuffs him in the closet. And then Eddie eventually gets Billy home. Says it's going to be okay. Tries to wipe out Billy. Billy eventually says, Dad. And then Billy passes away. It's a very, very sad. I was about to say, very, very sad scene. Yes. Um... Now we have Steve arrives to the cabin now. All right. Steve says, like, you know, what's going on here? We see that, that Chris and Tracy are now locked in the closet. Steve's like, hey, you know, what's going on here, Joel? This, like, this doesn't bother you that we got this kid. And this Steve's acting was really weird. Did you notice that? Like, every time the Steve guy talked, it was like, he's like, <clears throat> let me see if I can do it. He's like, Joel, this doesn't bother you? 
Like, we just ran over this kid with our bicycles, man. Like, I, I can't believe you're my brother. Like, <laughs> did I do... Did, did I get him? Did I, did, I, did I do my inner Steve? Yeah, yeah, I think you nailed that. Yeah, I think you nailed that. But yeah, every, everything he says sounds like he's just like <laughs> surprised to be saying it or something. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> and then Joel is all like, Eddie, oh, no, he's like, Joel, like, what did that guy do? Like, what did, what did you tell him? He's like, I told him it was an accident, man. And Joel's like, are you, are you sure? Well, what, did, what did he do? He said, well, he just stared at me. He's like, tell me what he did. What, what did he do? Well, well, he stared at me and it looked like he kind of wanted to kill me. Yeah, I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why. Fucking idiot. I wonder why he would want to kill him. Yeah, <laughs> no. All right. So now Eddie has arrived to the poor people's clan. All right. Well, I, I guess they're called the Wallaces, but boy, these people. The Wallaces, yeah. But they're fucking, I call them the poor clan because boy, can't get more poor than these guys. Well, they're definitely poor, yeah. I've also noticed that a lot of these people don't even have electricity. Like the Wallaces don't even have electricity. No, no, they they basically are like the, uh, I guess the the, the farmers of this town because they had a lot of animals. So they're there. Um, Eddie wants to see Wallace, and he has to go through like two sons to see him. He's <laughs> like, "Hey, I need to see Wallace," <laughs> and then the other son was like, "Hey, Bud, get Paul," and then Bud had to go get Paul. They bring him over here. I was like, "Fuck, man!" I, I forgot. I forgot about that. We, uh, like, that's not like that. Was that necessary for us to have these two, yeah. these two, two sons that Ed, Ed had to talk to before he got <laughs> <No>. Paul? <laughs> oh, it looks like his name is not Bud. It's Bunt. It's a fucking dumb Bunt, name. Bunt is the name of the kid. Yeah, his yeah, name Bunt. Is Bunt. I thought it was. I couldn't tell if it was Bunt or Bud. I was yeah, like, Bunt, Bunt, Bunt is the is uh yeah that's a yeah yeah that's a dirt. Poor person's name, I guess. Apparently, yeah. Dirt I like I like how his name is Bunt, Bunt Wallace. Bunt. God damn, Bunt Wallace. So, um, Wallace comes out. Senior Wallace comes out, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you brought my stuff. Thanks." He's gonna give him some cash. He's like, "He's like, hey man, you can keep it." He's like, "Listen, I need to know about the old woman with the powers." He said, "He said he's like, I don't know, I don't know, no such woman." <laughs> he's like, and then he's like, "Listen, man." Uh, the city folk, they killed Billy. I got to go find this woman. He's like, he says, he sees, I was like, man, I, I can't help you, man. I can't make you, you know, she, I can't help you with this person. Like she, she, she will like, not a person I know about. And then she he eventually looks and he sees Billy. And then this is when he goes like, is that your boy in there? And then Eddie's like, yeah, that's Billy. The city folk, they killed him. And he's all like, man, I still can't help you. You know, that, that woman will take you to hell. He tells him to yeah. go home and bury your boy. And then that's when Eddie leaves. And then we got Bunt. He stops He stops um, Eddie. He's like, hey, man, I can help you find that old old Miss uh, Haggard. Or Haggis. Or Miss Hag- yeah, Haggard. Yeah, Haggard. <laughs> Should have been fucking Haggard. It's Haggis. Yeah. All right. And then um, he's like, I can take you to to her. And if you give me something, and he gave him some money. He's like, okay, well, I could take you there, but I'm only going to take you like halfway because I ain't talking to this crazy old lady. And Eddie no, he's agrees. not going the whole way. Yeah. So they, they get halfway. Eddie leaves. He says, like, just go straight and you'll see the cabin. All right. Um, Eddie follows the cabin. So now we see, like, this old, creepy looking house. 
Very good scenery, by the way. You know, we had this old house. Fog everywhere, too. Like, this place is fogged out. Like, this... You, you, this is not the scene for it. They had a little fog, but bro, once they get to the pumpkin patch, I'm talking about Fog Central. They must have had some oh, sort yeah. of fog machine budget on this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Just buckets of dry ice. Yes. All right, so let's see. Right, he, so he goes inside the that old house. He sees some owls. He sees some rats, and he sees like this old ass lady sitting by the fire. He said, uh, you're the one with the powers. Then he, he says, like, you know, she's Eddie, Eddie then lays Billy's down. And then he's like, she's like, you know, I couldn't really hear too much of this part, but she was like, basically, like, you know, do you got an offering for me? And then he's like, here, here's all the silver. He basically has a bunch of coins and silver, and he puts it all into a yeah, cup. He has, yeah, he gives her a bunch of gold. So this guy has yeah. gold. Um, But, yeah, um... Yeah, and she basically tells him that she can't bring back the dead. Yeah, she's basically saying, "I can't do nothing for you. You know, I can't help you resurrect your son." It says, "Like, what do you want, Ed? What do you want, Ed Hardy?" <laughs> Is his name last name Hardy? Harley. What do you want, Harley. Yeah, Ed, what Harley? Do you want Ed Harley? And she's all like, I, "You know, just say it. What do you want?" And he's all like, "Listen." When I was young, I saw like this creature demon outside my house, and I wasn't too sure what it is, but I know you can like resurrect him. How do I do that? And then she goes into some more fairy tales about like there's like there's like this old graveyard where where men used to bury their kin that they didn't really want, and it's now like this like pumpkin patch, and if you go there. If you find me one of those kin, you bring it back over here, and I'll give you give you what you want. This is all I got. This is everything. Nothing I can do for him. When I was young. I said there's nothing I can do. I saw it. You want it, Hardy? Say it. Say it. Say it. I was young. Folks used to talk about you. Said it's how you do things. When a man had been wronged, he could come to you and be called upon this thing. In that man's name and that man, he'd be avenged. What you ask? Got a powerful prize. They killed my boy. They run him over. And they left him. Ever hear a razorback holler? There's an old graveyard. Way back deep in them woods. Mountain folk used to bury kin in there. Kin they's ashamed of. Bring a shovel. The thing you're looking for is in there. Bring it back here. Some things I gotta do to it before it'll be any use to you. And he's like, well, where am I gonna find this thing? It's like, you'll find it. He's like, okay. And then he's like, leave the boy here. 
So I'm trying to do my best impression of this lady, but that one might be a little hard. So, yeah. yeah, she had a very unique voice, but yeah, he, he tells her that he wants revenge. He, yeah, he, he can't have his son back, so he wants revenge. Yeah, he and wants to bend him off to the to the to the uh, to the cemetery to find his body. Yeah, because of course he wants revenge on the city folk who killed his boy. Yep. So Eddie now goes to the graveyard. Very cool scene. Like this graveyard with the pumpkin patch is very creepy. Fogged out, fogged out of the place. Very old looking pumpkins. Look like they're like rotten and shit. He digs through a bunch of dirt and stuff. Eventually finds a body, gets freaked out about the body, but eventually brings it to the old lady. Yeah, it looks like an old movie. Yeah. If you think about it. Like like you know how they used to do like horror movies in the thirties, like Frankenstein, where they'd be on a set? Like you can tell they're on a set. They're inside. This is not shot on location. So they're in a set inside and they've built all this stuff and all the fog and the lights are moving around. It just looks really, really cool. Yeah, and then during this we see uh, Joel. He has a shotgun hanging out with them because he doesn't want the city folk. I mean, he doesn't want the southern folk to come after him now, or the locals. I guess you'd say the locals. The folks. locals, yeah, the locals. Um, the dumb country people, right? Yeah. Uh, so and also too, Tracy in the closet says, like, "If I get out of here, I'm gonna have Joel's balls and a and a and a sack." And then Chris is like, oh, "I don't want to mess with you." Okay, so now uh, Kim, she is also worried about Maggie because Maggie is like, like stoic. She's not really saying anything. She basically doesn't have any lines. Okay, that's basically what it is. Right. So now Eddie has arrived with the body. Uh, Magus says, "Bring me it. Bring me. It. Bring it here." <laughs> I'm trying to do her voice, but I'm not that good. <laughs> Bring it here, yeah. She's like, she's like, she, I guess it's like, say, say what you mean. No, say what you're, say what you're looking for, Ed yep. Harley. She's like, and then like, Eddie's just kind of going off as though like, like I'm looking for some like cruel. Like he basically shows he's very hurt at this time. He's looking for something cruel. He's looking for something to to get revenge on these on these kids with, and then eventually. Maggie, she cuts his hand. We got some blood. She cuts Billy's hands. We got a blood. She mixes the blood together, pours it on the little demon pumpkin head thing, and now the pumpkin head has awoken. So the tale of this we're seeing so far is if somebody harms somebody in this particular town and they want to get revenge, if the revenge is like justified enough or it's, it's hot enough, we can awake the pumpkin demon. Yeah, essentially. But I mean, it's kind of implied that it doesn't happen very often. No. Yeah, it happened because I think the last one happened in what nineteen fifty-seven. This movie obviously took. Yeah, this one was obviously in the eighties, so it's, it doesn't happen all the time. So this is when Eddie, when he starts to do it, he starts to like faint, and he's like basically faints. We have the pumpkin head freaking transforms quickly. I mean, that thing was like super quick. Like they ain't playing around with here. He just boom out of there. No, you can't wait on revenge, man. You got to go now. Yes. And then eventually, Eddie, he is woken up by Haggis. And, he's, and Haggis says, you can go home, Ed. Hardly. <laughs> so and now it's and now you just go home and you wait for it to happen. So Ed, and he drives his car back. He's driving crazy. And then he sees 
Billy. Billy awakes and says, what have you done, Daddy? And of course, it's all on Eddie's mind. So we can see he's going a little mad already. Maggie hears a noise. All right. Okay, so Steve is like, and then after Maggie hears his noise, she like leaves the, the little um, cabin. And Steve is like, listen, it's like, fuck it. Let's just kidnap Chris and Tracy and go to Mexico. All right. And then he's like, he's like, Joey, you just got to do the fucking right thing. All right. So then we have Ed. He buries Billy next to his wife. So we so we now don't know that that Eddie had a wife, but she died. And now he's burying the son right next to the wife. So very little sound scene. Um, now Maggie, she is walking outside and then she runs into Steve and then Maggie's looking like she's kind of scared and Steve's like, listen, you got this cross on you. He says, I need you. I need you to stay here and this, this cross will protect you and they start hugging each other and eventually when Steve was trying to say something, boom, he gets grabbed by the pumpkin head and gets freaking grabbed up and then thrown around and then Maggie starts to freak out and freaking runs away. And then while this is happening, Eddie is feeling all this. He's like feeling all this, like, like everything that's happening. Like he, he can feel it on his whole body. And then this is when Joe, we get her back in there. He says he's a big fuck up and he will stop this. And then he lets uh, Chris and Tracy out. And then right when he does that, Maggie comes in screaming and freaking out. Saying like, Steve, he's, he, he's, he's getting attacked by this demon. And then the Joel and... um. Joel and Steven, I mean, Joel and Chris were like, oh, shit, it's, it's, the, it's the town folk. You know, so they go out with their shotguns and they keep saying, like, hey, town folk guys, you know, come get us. And this is when we see Maggie, she starts praying and she kept saying it was the devil. And they're like, it's not the devil. She's like, no, I saw it with my own two eyes. It was the devil. And then, uh, so we have Eddie. He's starting to wash up a little bit and then he starts to drink a little bit to kind of, like, calm him down for what's happening. Yeah. This is when, you know, they're taking the gun out there. So this is when Kim, she says, like, she's talking to Maggie. And she's like, hey, you know, it, it should be okay. You know, they, they took the guns and everything. They'll be fine. Maggie says, like, God will help them. But God might not be here. And she grabs a knife. All right. So this is when Joel, he sees the bloody clothes from Steven. They all freak out and they go back to the house. When they go back to the house, uh, Maggie's about to hit him with a knife, but doesn't. All right? And this is when they're saying, like, hey, you know, we we, we got to go keep fighting. We can't leave without Steve. Like, Maggie does not want to leave without Steve. She's like, hey, we got to get Steve. We got to find him. We got to get out of here. She's about to leave the cabin. Boom. Steve is right there. The pumpkin head got some swinging. So he eventually throws her off and grabs Maggie, and then he fucking goes away. And everybody's all like, what the fuck's just going on here? So... And all the scenes with Pumpkinhead, like, attacking the kids are, like, really cool. They did that really well. Yep. And all real effects, too. And we don't have any CGI shit in this. It's, like, real, like, they really built a Pumpkinhead. And yep. they used it in this movie. Yeah. Played yep. by an actor. Yeah, I know. It's pretty wild. <laughs> so, but all, and when all this is happening, Eddie's, like, feeling it. So, we're seeing that the two are linked. So, every time Pumpkin is doing something, uh, they are very linked. Um... Let's see. So, uh, Pumpkin is like, he's like scratching Maggie's head. He actually like puts like a cross on her head. Um, Chris, this is when Chris is like telling like Tracy and everybody, you know, stay close. You know, we don't know what, what this thing is. 
Uh, we see Eddie. He's driving the car. He's in his car now. He's driving to see wherever what's going on. At, at this, I guess he could feel where the pumpkin's at, so he's driving to him. Yeah, he, you can definitely tell that they're like psychically linked at this yeah. point. So this is when, so this is when uh, Joel and Kim they are looking over Steve, very very kind of sad because Joel now realized that his brother's dead. So this is when um, Eddie he goes back to Haggis's. He's all, he's all saying like, she's like, oh, don't worry, it will pass. She's like, oh, it, it will pass. <laughs> it's like, this is what you wanted. This is and, what you wanted. And, he's, and she's like, this is not what I wanted. She's like, what did you think this would be? Uh, uh, you know, the roses and stuff? It's, it wouldn't be any pain? This is how it is. She's like, no, it's not. This is not right. He's like, God damn you. He's like, he's like you're right. God has damned you. Okay. So this is when we see Pumpkin. He is, um, he's like rubbing Maggie's face against the freaking wall. Or like the, the window, the window, sorry, the window. And he's window, like, brushes yeah. her fucking head to the window. I was like, that's fucking creepy. That was a cool scene. So this is when we, Joel, he freaks out. I guess when he busted the head through the window, some of it got onto Kim. So Kim's like, just like flats down. She's like, got passed out. Or maybe she passed yeah. out from seeing that. So Joel, he, t- he grabs a knife and stuff. He tries to swing it at Pumpkinhead. So that, that scene too, when like Joel, you know, he sees like the dead Maggie on there and he tries to grab the knife yeah. and he looks over and Pumpkinhead comes out of the doorway. I was like, fuck, that's a cool scene. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, all of these scenes are really cool. Yeah. Like where, where and it doesn't, he doesn't do a lot. Like Pumpkinhead doesn't do a lot in this movie. Usually yeah. like, you know, it'll like a scene of Pumpkinhead will be like his head moving through the window or the door or something. And it's real quick shots. It's so it's it looks it's perfect. Yeah, I mean it looks <clears throat> so good. And every time we see him, there's like at least some fog around, and there's a lot of strobe lights. So that, yeah, but yeah, he brings the there's party. just enough light for you can see him, but enough darkness to cover that it's a guy in a costume. Yep. Except for one scene, there's a scene at the end where they where there's too much light on him, and, and he, it looks kind of bad. But other than that, it's that it, it it it's just lit just perfect so that you can so it looks real. Yep. Uh, so this is when he grabs a Joe grabs a knife, tries to stab Pumpkinhead, but Pumpkinhead kind of knocks it out of his hand, and then he eventually knocks down Joe, and then the pumpkin takes Kim and drags her out. And then and then Joe runs out. He's like saying, "I'm the one that you want." All right. Yeah, that's a good question. How yeah. does Pumpkinhead know who to get revenge on? That's a good question. Maybe maybe like he, I don't. He know. doesn't say that. You know, I mean, it's just like. You know, I mean, that maybe maybe that's what the psychic link does. Maybe he maybe he just knows. Yeah, the Pumpkinhead Demon just knows what Ed. You know, the people that Ed want wants dead. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, because they're linked together, so he knows consciously which people were involved with the son's murder. The right. only the only part that doesn't really make sense when it comes to that theory is why Pumpkinhead attacked Bunt, but we'll get to that. Uh, let's see. So this is when we see the the pumpkin head grabs Kim and he like freaking takes her all the way up in the air, like that fucking. That was great. That was fucking great. And then he drops her on that fucking yeah, rock. I was like, that's yeah, crazy. where he's sitting in the tree. Where yeah, he's sitting up in the tree. Like, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Like that. I don't even know. I'm not even sure how they did that scene because I mean, you know, yeah. you know that suit's heavy. It's got to be heavy. That whole prosthetic pumpkin head scene, and he's sitting on a tree limb. I mean, and, you it, know, and then he's holding a real person. Like she's not a dummy. Like yeah. that's a real actress 
that's being held. I'm not even sure how they did that scene. It must have been some sort of camera work or something because that was a crazy yeah, one. And then Joel Caesar gets all sad, but they had to leave. <laughs> yeah. Right, because the demon's after him, so they gotta yeah. go. So We're sad, one... but we gotta go now because the demon's after us. Yeah, so then Joe shows up to the house. He sees the dead Steve. He's kind of looking around. And then this is when we see um, Chris. So we have Chris, Joel, and Tracy left. And they're knocking on a bunch of doors, and nobody's helping them. We see an old lady look pop out, and she doesn't help them. So the townsfolk know when this is like happening. Like they they don't get involved when I guess like the demon comes out. They know like apparently the older people of the town know like what's what's going down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they just you just know. I guess like when you when you live in this kind of world that they live in, you just kind of know when this kind of thing's happening. Which is which is another common element of folk horror by the way, but we can talk about that a little bit later, but but yeah, the 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 people of the of the town of the community know know what's going on. Yeah. So now Joe is upset. Chris gives him a hug. So we see they kind of made up because um, he's trying to keep him together. They keep running around outside. We see an old guy with the. Sh- there's they're they're running around outside and they're about to go into this like van. But then this old guy with a shotgun comes up with a dog, and he shoots up in the sky. He says, "Get away! You know, get out of my land and stuff." And he's like, "Empty your hands, boy." Because for the for the gun, and he said yeah. like so they're saying like listen man we just need some help like we just need some help to get out out of here somebody's chasing us and stuff he's like I can't help you you guys have been marked it's like okay so you know they know that they've been marked they they the townspeople know that they these kids have been marked by the pumpkin head then we had the pumpkin yeah. head shows up uh the other guy fucking ran out of there then this is when we get Ed shows up he starts shooting at the pumpkin head. And then, and then when Ed shots him and stuff, um, Joel goes over to him, and then Chris is like, "No, man, don't go over to him. You don't know if he's dead yet." He's like, goes over to him, kicks him, shoots him. He's like, "Now he's dead." And then, boom, the pumpkin head's not dead. Fucking nope. Trips his ass up. Joel takes his gun. I thought that scene was pretty funny with the, like the pumpkin head with the gun, <laughs> and he fucking yeah. just jams it up to, jams it right into <laughs> fucking Joel and lifts him up in the air and shit, and then slams him right down. So this scene was actually a little cooler than that scene from the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Did you see that movie yet? Uh, no, I haven't watched it yet. Okay, well, I won't spoil it then. But there's a scene that's very similar to this in a way. And then during this part, the dog that was with the old guy freaks out on Eddie and attacks him. So apparently dogs know they can feel the psychotic or the, 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 they can feel the link. Like they could tell mm-hmm. that Ed is a, a demon just like Pumpkinhead is. So... So this is when Chris and Trace, they're the only two survivors so far, and they leave. They ran out of there. Same thing. They're going through doors and stuff, trying to get some people to help them. Um, there's like, you know, they're like climbing on doors. They're at the poor people's house now. They're at the, the, the Wallace's. You know, they're like banging on the door stuff and stuff in there. And they're like, um, oh, okay. so right before Chris and Trace get over there, we're back, and then we have Bunt. He is looking at the window. And they're like, hey, Bunt, don't be looking at the window. Don't worry about it. I was like, I just don't want... Is, is the demon out there going to be hurting the animals and stuff? And like, Mr. Wallace is like, no, he's not going to be the... the. They don't they don't harm the, ha- the animals any. Nope. Yeah. Pumpkinhead is just uh, a vehicle for vengeance. He's just... He's like the ghost rider. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's like a he's like the spirit of vengeance. He you know he's he's not here to harm the animals or anything that's not fucking with anybody else. He's just gonna he's just gonna kill you if you fuck with people. Yeah, and then eventually Chris gets to the door, starts banging on them. They say, "Hey, we're not gonna help you. You guys are cursing everything." And eventually Trace kind of gives up a little bit. And apparently we see Bunt. He's in his room. He talks to his sister, and his sister's like, "Hey, you know what are you doing?" He's like, "Listen, you gotta make you gotta swear." I'll tell you what I'm doing, but got a super swear. And they start doing all these, like, you know, stuff like, you know, like clap the hands and stuff, spit and everything. And pinky swearing. Yeah, pinky yeah. swearing. Do people still do that? Kids, you think? I don't know. Probably. Maybe. Maybe they do. That is an old time I mean, thing, thing. Yeah, it, it is, but you can't you can't break the pinky swear. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you, you spit do on the pumpkin. Exactly. <laughs> especially when you spit on the person. The pumpkin head comes after you if you break the pinky swear. Yeah. So Bunt is like, hey, I'm going to go help them folks out there and see if this pumpkin head's real. All right. And then he, and then he, uh, <clears throat> he gets out of there. And then he finds Chris and Trace. He's like, hey, you guys come with me. And then they're all like, hey, why couldn't you guys let me in and stuff? He's like, well, we can't let you in and stuff because you guys have been marked and everything, so we're not allowed to let you in there. So he's like, listen, I got a, I got a safe place for you guys to stay. Just come with me. All right. So now this is when Eddie, he tries to grab, grab the gun that was inside of Joel, but it breaks. So, and then this is weird too, because like, like, so the pumpkin head, after he killed Joel, he kept like pushing his head up and down, up and down, up and down. And then Ed starts pushing his head up and down and up and down. So I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. The psychic connection. Yes. So Bunt brings them to an old abandoned church. He said, I thought this place might be good because they tried to build this church four years ago, but I guess it didn't work out. Well, no shit. This shit looked yeah. like crazy. <laughs> huh. Yeah, so I thought that was weird too. Like, yeah. yeah, four years ago, we tried to build this church, but they, but it didn't happen. But this thing looks like it's like hundreds of years old. Like it's, it's like falling apart. <laughs> like it's barely, it's barely up at all. Yeah, it looks like, like it's, it's rotten. Like, I think it has a front. Yeah, I think it has a front and a cross on it. Yeah. And then like there's no roof or anything. Yeah. And then this is when we get a lot of the backstory of the movie. So Bud said, this is like, they're asked like, you know, what the hell is this thing following us? And Bud's like, hey, this is some kind of demon. All right. And like the story behind this demon, it says like, you know, if somebody wrongs somebody, like, you know, if somebody kills somebody, then it's, if, if a man kills somebody, another man can get revenge by bringing up this pumpkin demon, you know, and it's called pumpkin head. And they're like, oh crap, it's called pumpkin head. Because it's it, shaped like a pumpkin. Yeah. Well, it also says it's called pumpkin head because it comes from this old pumpkin patch that was, that was a, for, used to be a, a burial site. So that's why they call it pumpkin head. And then, and then he's all like, you know, Bump didn't really know like the why the pumpkin head was was showing here. And then Chris is like, he, he's like telling the story like, listen, it's probably because what happened to Billy, you know, we had an accident with him and we accidentally killed him. And then, and then, and then Bud's like, "Oh, that's why Eddie was at my place, and I took him to that old lady's house." So we're basically showing all the stuff over here that shows them, um, you know, that 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 shows them why this is all happening. Yeah, but it's also kind of weird that this whole thing, this part seems kind of weird because Bunt is helping them, but he knows that anybody who helps the marked people becomes marked too. Yes, so that's why he got so marked. He, I got you. Yeah, right. So he knows that he's gonna get mar- he, that he got marked because he's gonna get marked because 
But he, I mean, he's really doing it just to see if Pumpkinhead's real. Yeah. Like, he just wants to see it. And the reason he brought him to the church because he didn't think the Pumpkinhead can like walk inside the church. He thought that maybe that'd be a safe area for them. Yeah, like he thought it might be safe. But yeah, he's wrong. And then, um, and then Chris says like, "Hey, can you bring me to the area where we parked our cars?" Because like you know, obviously Bunt knows the area better than that they do. And right, right when he said that, that's when Pumpkinhead arrived. And then we got a really cool scene of him walking into the church and everything. And then they all escape. And then we get more Pumpkinhead looking around the church. He sees a cross. And then Bunt has a real creepy scene where he's like, yeah. he's here now or something like that. Yeah, he's like, yeah. And he has like the cross in his hand looking at it, smiling and everything. And eventually breaks it and stuff. So, And this is when we get to the scene where they, they're in the area where all the cars are at. And most of the cars are like flipped over. Except we still have like a motorbike there it was the uh the number 44 motorbike chris tries to get on and stuff to see if it's working and then tracy and bunt were left behind but then we see Pumpkinhead pulls up and it, <laughs> i thought this is kind of a funny scene where Pumpkinhead pulls up the brakes so apparently yeah. our boy Pumpkinhead, he's a mechanic brother he knows what to he's do. a mechanic he knows how the motorcycle works <laughs> yeah and he fucking just grabs chris and starts pushing him on the ground and all of them are like fuck it i ain't helping this motherfucker out screw this guy and they all run away mm-hmm Yeah, I thought that part with him holding up the brakes is like funny. <laughs> I don't know why it got to me. I was like, this guy. Uh, uh, so that so then we have Ed shows up again, all right. And then and then uh, Bunt says like, "Hey, hey, Mister Harley, fucking that pumpkin head guy is real." And then he's like, "Okay, let's all get into the truck." And Ed's like, "No shit." Yeah. And then, like, Chris tries to crawl away from, from Pumpkinhead, but Pumpkinhead still grabs him. Um, so then they, they drive back to um, Harley's house. All right. Um, and then, like, Pumpkinhead, he's, like, dragging Chris during this whole part as well, too. And then this is their own side, um, Harley's house. And Bun asks if Tracy's okay. And she's like, yeah, I'm okay. Thanks to you. And she's like, hey, I want to go outside and talk to Mr. Harley. Can you stay here? He's like, okay. And then eventually um, Bunt looks up and he sees the uh, little shrine that was made for Billy. Uh, Trace tries to talk to Harley. says, hey, you know, it was just an accident. It's like, you know, nobody, you know, we didn't mean to do anything like that. Like, can you stop this? Can you stop what you're doing? Because Tracy thinks like Ed's doing all this. And Ed's like, hey, you know. I can't stop this, but I think I got something that will. I'm going to send this thing back to where it belongs. And he has like a flamethrower with him. I was like, where the fuck did this flame... I guess the flamethrower was in the beginning scene. That's how he makes yeah, fire he was, around there. Yeah, yeah, he was using a, a flamethrower. Like I've, I've never seen anyone use a flamethrower to like burn brush or whatever. But I don't know. Maybe it happens. Hey, boy, I boy, Eddie, he don't play around. All right. So Bun is sitting around. Dog jumps onto him. Gypsy. And this is when we see Ed, he starts shaking a little bit and getting kind of weak because the pumpkin head is near. Anytime the pumpkin head is near, we get a couple things. We get Ed shaking, we get frog, and we get strobe lights. That's what we get. All right. So now pumpkin head, he breaks into the house. I like how he breaks into the house. He has Chris on him. He just drops him. <laughs> if I can <laughs> walk through the house and he eventually sees Bunt in the closet. That was a cool scene too. Kind of reminded me of the aliens. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, the design of the pumpkin head is very alien-like, I would say. So now Ed, he has the crazy eyes, and he is now possessed. And Tracy looks at him like, oh, shit, this is not right. 
And then she's going to run out of the barn. All right. And then when she runs out of the barn, she sees Pumpkinhead holding like Bunt. And then uh, Ed is trying to come out there with his flamethrower. But it gets stuck on like a nail of the door. And eventually like rams himself into one of those pitchforks. And then we all notice is every time that Ed gets hurt, the Pumpkinhead gets hurt. So we see that they are actually relinked. And this is when also too, the Pumpkinhead's face is like forming into Ed's face as well. Yeah. Yeah, they're becoming like the same thing. And then he eventually pulls himself off the pick and pitch and fork. Um, and he tries to do the flame flower on uh, Pumpkinhead. But it's not working. It doesn't work. And then Tracy just like, kind of just like staring at everything. She doesn't really do that much during this part. So, yeah. So he also runs to the truck too, Ed does. And then Tracy tries to put up the flamethrower too, and that one doesn't work. All right. And then the, the pumpkin eventually grabs Trace. Uh, and then eventually Ed shoots himself in the head. And yeah. then the pumpkin head falls. Trace looks on. And then we see Eddie. He's not really dead. Pumpkin head wakes up. And he grabs Bunt. He's about to like destroy Bunt until Tracy grabs the gun that Ed had to shoot himself in the head. She grabs it, shoots Ed a couple of times because Ed was also turning into a demon during this time. Shoots his ass a couple of times, street style. And then eventually the pumpkin head bursts into flames. And then after all this happens, we see Haggis. She buries a body in the pumpkin patch. And it was our boy Eddie. Eddie has now been the the pumpkin head body that the next person has to dig up to do their revenge. And the movie ends. Yep. With the necklace. And he's wearing the little honestly. And he's wearing the necklace that he said he would never take off and he never yeah. will. I never did. Yes. One so. thing I thought was weird about this scene was like so Ed shoots himself in the head, mm-hmm. but he but he walks forward. Like in the next scene he like walks forward before he falls down. Yeah. And I mean I'm no I'm no um expert in shooting yourself in the head, but I'm pretty sh- I don't think I don't know that you could still move and walk after you shoot yourself in the head. Yeah, I mean yeah, unless it's like I don't know, maybe he didn't get any of the brain or something. I have no idea what happened with that. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. And unless like his possible, demon but... self just took over where he was like half dead. That's the maybe. only way you could do it maybe. Maybe. But uh but yeah. So, not a very long movie and not a whole lot of plot, but it was very 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 good. It's a very fun movie. It's also a very fun movie to watch during during Halloween time or any time you want to have like just like a little fun like movie. And it actually is, you know, it's not like it's not the scariest thing, but it does have a lot of creepy moments especially with the pumpkin head. And it has a really yeah. cool moments with them too. So this movie does get a lot of credit about having really really good um you know, uh the puppet tier that they used yeah. and the scenery yeah, and everything. Effects. Yes. Yeah, and it's a, a couple of things about this too. Um, so um, a couple of uh, Easter eggs in it. Um, so Christine, who is Bunt's sister, the one he makes the pinky swear with, mm-hmm. she's played by um, Mayim Bialik, who mm-hmm. is an actor. Who I can tell you don't know who that is. Okay, she's she was on the Big Bang Theory for most of its run, and oh, she's okay. like a ho- co-host of Jeopardy now. She's a pretty famous actress. Wow, that's cool. Um, but she played her as a little kid, 
And the guy that played Clayton was uh, Dick Warlock, who was the guy that played Michael Myers in the first Halloween movie. Oh, which kid was that? No, the guy Clayton, the guy that was that in the in, that got killed in 1957. Oh, okay. That's on the door. Yeah. yeah, that's Dick Warlock, who was who played Michael Myers. Oh, yeah, now. yeah, that was him. Nice. Yeah, like well, the um, first one I actually never seen the Big Bang Theory. Um, I know it's yeah. a really big popular show and everything. But I do know it's the lead-in to AEW Dynamite. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, we watched the last 30 seconds of Big Bang Theory every Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, every one, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it all comes back together. It's all tied in, brother. I'm telling it you, it's all, all ties tied back in. into wrestling. Yeah. But, yeah. but, yeah, I mean, this is a very folk horror story. Folk horror story. It's like, you know, the whole thing, a lot of things about another element of folk horror is that there's always, like, the city folk who think they're so educated and, so progressively you know thinking of the future and so modern and then they uh they come to this like country place to take over not take over necessarily but thinking they know everything and they don't they find out they're in a whole new world and they don't know anything about what's going on and what they're dealing with and all the country people actually know more than they do in this situation yeah which is a common thing that happens um you know, where you have, and in fact, it's ha- a lot of it happens like in the area where we live now, where like, you know, these people that come in from other places, from big cities, move in and try to like make these little small country towns exactly the way these big cities were that they left. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a very folk horror thing. To, yeah. to you know, the, the country, the, the city people who are stupid in the country and the country people who know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'd be talking all about that here. On the retro bread for the month of March, we're we'll talking all about city folk knowing the true uh, demon stories. I mean, uh, the the townspeople knowing the true story of these demons, while the city folk don't really care, just want to drink their bottles of water and fuck shit up and die. And fuck shit up <laughs> and kill little kids. But Allison, what are we going to be coming back with next week in this fantastic folklore horror month? Which one are we going to be laying down to the audience next? Um, aren't we? Uh, we're going to do Eyes of Fire from uh, 1983. Yes. Eyes of Fire, brother. 1983. Should be a Which fun is a one. Western Ooh. folk horror film. Ooh, we're going to the desert, brother. Yeah. You've oh. never seen this, right? No, I've never seen it. So it's going to be a first oh, time a movie. for yeah. everybody. If they want to watch it, I know it's on Shudder. That's on probably going to be getting a lot of our um, folklores on Shudder this coming month. So. We were checking it all out. And Allison, what song should we leave out, leave with everybody today? Oh, man. I knew you were going to put me on the spot for this. How about um, One by Metallica? Or one, do you want to play some Exodus? Yeah. Or you want to do some Exodus? Yeah, we can do some Exodus from uh, Fabulous Disaster. Yep. Um, let's see. What should we listen to from Fabulous Disaster? Let's listen to The Toxic Waltz. Ooh, the toxic waltz in the blood. Just like our boy Pumpkinhead. Got that toxic demon blood in him. Where he's gonna go on revenge and kill these city folk. Here on the Retro Blood. We're gonna be heading out of here. We'll see you guys next week with Eyes of Fire. This is some Exodus. Jay Allison, James Klein. Peace and out, everybody. See you guys.